<laughs> Can you use this as an outtake? Hey, everybody. You're listening to... The In Hindsight. In Hindsight. In Hindsight. You're listening to the In Hindsight Podcast. Let's go. Why do, why do you think that there's a, a hard time listening to your voice? I mean, I think I that's everybody, though, right? I don't do it very often. I think I think I don't I don't yeah. hear how I sound. Yeah. Like I don't videotape or or record myself in any way, shape, or form. Maybe if I started singing, like I know Pip sings, and then you recorded yourself. Did that help you be able to listen to yourself? Easy? I still think I sound weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, got, you guys are sick. I know, she's asking me. She goes, are you going to send me the questions? I'm like, no, I ain't getting no questions. Nope. <laughs> I was just hoping to have a I reflection know. tool. I, and you know why? I think I, I think I told Gregory. I was like, I was like, I understand. I was like, I can't send her questions because at some point, not some point, I've already done this with a few people. I'm going to be talking to people I don't know. And like, pretty much like cold calling people I and mean, being like, hey, would you want to do this podcast? Like, this is what it's about. Love to chat with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to give someone a heads up necessarily, you know, because I don't necessarily know their whole story. Whereas like we're friends and I know you guys. So it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to practice this, <laughs> not give <laughs> you the questions. So we're like all like teed up. Yeah. yeah so I you're using it. it as a learning experience for you and making it harder. For uh, us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because as you guys know, you guys just did something kind of challenging. So I feel like, you know, you didn't get to go on the Peloton for like, you know, eight months before you did this. So. Challenge? Oh, God. So. <laughs> Wish. <laughs> I, I remember, I, you, I I remember built... you talking about that, though, and wanting to. Did you ever get a chance to like actually? Yeah, I yeah. had another friend, Matt, give me um, stationary a bike little trainer. stationary bike trainer thing. My roommate? And I used that a handful of times. No. Oh, okay. um, Matt McKenna. Okay. Lives in town. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You have a stationary bike? I threw my mountain bike onto it because I didn't have oh. my bike yet. Oh, like one of the wheels that mm-hmm. you like you put your attachment to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. and by I threw it on, I mean Kyrie did it. <laughs> yeah. What are those called? They're not stationary bikes. They're like um, they're holders. Yeah. Like the... Trainer? Bike I guess, trainer? I guess they're bike trainer. Right? Yeah. And yeah, that you... was fun. Yeah. Wait, how was it? So what, what was positive? Like, what was the benefit of putting the mountain bike on versus like, I didn't have another bike to put on it. Oh, because you didn't have the, you didn't yeah. have your cross country bike built yet. No. Yeah. Bike. My bike came a week before we left. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I had to like wander around town trying to find something to maneuver. Like one, you had to get a different axle for the rear tire to put through the trainer so that it, the, the rear tire would sit in it correctly. Yeah, mountain bikes then, like aren't built yeah. for throwing <laughs> on a trainer, especially trans. an old school one. <laughs> no, and then had to find like a a smooth um, like tire and not like a studded tire to rub against the resistor like plate in the back. Yeah, and so that was fun. So like, another friend gave sending, us that. Well, yeah, sending love to Second Wind. Second Wind supplies all the bits that you need for the the week. trainer tire came from Justin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's cool too. But And did you feel like it helped for the trip? Well, I mean, for how absolutely not in shape I was, using it a handful of times I'm sure helped, but yeah. I definitely didn't have like a training plan that I adhered to. Yeah. But Well, before we go into the trip, I think we should go back just a little bit of ways to the before early, the trip. Before the trip. Like to where you guys actually found yourself starting out from in life. Like, 
I would love to know, how did you even get to Bozeman? That's kind of where I want to go. Before we start with the now, can we dive back? And I would just love, love to hear like a, a spark note version of like how you got here. I think that'd be cool. And either one can start first. Doesn't matter to me. I get to start first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to start first. Age before beauty. <laughs> oh, age before oh beauty. I love that's my that's my line. I love that you one. Watch yourself. Does anybody want any tea? <laughs> um, I will in a I, little I got while. plenty of cups here. Thank you. Yeah, hit me with some tea. Yeah. Here, take this one. I'll double fist it. I, I think you have to. I think yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, please. Yeah, I'd love to hear the origin story about how you how you kind of found yourself here and like you know where you're from and how it all kind of got kicked off for you. Um, I moved to Bozeman with my ex-partner um, from Olympia, Washington, and had tried to come to Bozeman three times to, so I could see it, like even before we were planning on moving. So one time the car broke down, one time work got in the way, one time I broke my ankle. So I moved here like sight unseen, didn't have a place to live, camped in the Bridgers for like a month, um, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, it took me a really long time to find my community here. And then I did all at once. And this place really became my home. So. Yeah. What was the intrigue in the beginning about coming to Bozeman? My partner was moving for school. Okay. So it was mm-hmm. more their kind of dream to get here. And like Bozeman was like, you know, you saw probably pictures, photos, videos, whatever. And you're like, yeah, oh, seems pretty cool. Yeah, I was ready to move somewhere with sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Olympia, Washington was just somewhere that obviously doesn't get a lot of sun. Like 300 days in rain, <laughs> yeah. The complete opposite of like when I was living in Breckenridge, just being 300 days of sun. Yeah. Whoa. It's beautiful, though. I, I miss Whoa. the Northwest, but. I'm always, I've always been curious about meeting the people from the Pacific Northwest. I don't even know if I've asked you this, but like, how does the rain play to the psyche of all that, of like you as a person? Um, I mean, it has like really high incidence of like seasonal affect disorder and depression. Hmm. Um, I did okay in the weather. Yeah. Game changer for me right before I left, I got, um, rain boots and a huge rain jacket and being outside was way better. So that's definitely like a staple item to have if you live in that area and not, um, live there for years without those things. (laughs) But (laughs) you mean the proper attire when the weather turns is good? Yeah, like yeah. not having wet socks is definitely a vibe. It's kind of nice, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we all suffer through it a little bit. I got like more fashionable rain boots recently. Like not fashionable, but like I, don't, I got like low cut rain boots. You know what I mean? And I'm like. Wait, wait are those effective? Would you say? It sounds mean, dangerous. They are because it's like the pant can still go over and it's uh, like nothing's going to get inside. But I'm like. Okay. I, I, mean, I don't know why I just didn't get like a high pair for just like all things, you know. Mm-hmm. Are but they yeah. yellow? They're not yellow. Darn it. They're not. <laughs> they're they're extra toughs, you know. Like, mm. yeah, I bit in to like the cool trendy fashions that go on these days. Yeah, yeah. They're they're fashionably, you know, rain resistant is what I'd call them. Hey. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that makes sense because I've just been always curious on like that world because I've loved the Pacific Northwest for a long time. I always thought that that was where I was going to end up. And then people were like, there's a lot of rain up there. <laughs> there's a lot of gray days. And like, you kind of get that with, you kind of get that with like even like a Missoula of sorts, where it's like, it's a lot of gray days up there. Well, they got a nasty inversion. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that from? Just like how they sit in the mountains and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't know. Don't test me on geography <laughs> or 
terrain or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you dare ask me these questions. Um, yeah, so Olympia, Washington, Idaho? I was born in Idaho, yes. But I didn't Utah? grow up there most of my life. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I moved from Idaho probably around nine. Hmm. My parents separated. Um, yeah, and good, I, can... I grew up. I grew up most of my life in Montana, up in the northwest, uh, Polson, outside Glacier National Park. Oh, nice. I use that for reference, just yeah. to make sure I know where I'm. At. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. How was life up there? How was life up there? Very beautiful, but I didn't know that growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I like didn't consider how like the place I was living in was absolutely gorgeous and I had access to various like um, landscapes that I may or may not have like taken advantage of. It depended on like my mood, I think, as a kid. My mom was like, oh, do you want to go out and do something? And I'd say yes or no. But um, yeah, I grew up in the mountains, in the trees, um, just outside of the town. And yeah, just had like a, a quiet little life with my sister in a way. Like literally in the trees, like you said outside like in town. Treehouse. Like, you guys lived in a treehouse. <laughs> no, oh. no, no. The, there was one present, but it was just like for yeah our little like mischievous selves <laughs> yeah. when we wanted to go be away from the house. House. Um, yeah, it was a house that my I think it was already built um, to some degree, but then my stepdad had built parts of it up to make it a bit more livable for mm. for the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that is that kind of where? So that was you said nine years old up there, or mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Do you think that that's where what kind of kicked off this adventure side of you, like wanting to like diving to the mountains as much mm-hmm. as you you have, and like kind of let's just say what you're known for that person that does get into the mountains as much <laughs> as you do goes and wanders. <laughs> he goes in the <laughs> wander. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny that to ask that because it it just it sparks something like almost immediately is where. As a kid, I was commonly known to walk up like we in our backyard. We just had this mountain like this hillside that just shot straight up and it went to the like eventually got to the very top. This overlook that overlooked the whole Flathead Lake area and then overlooked the town of Polson. And the number of times I would just go walk up it by myself <laughs> in like definitely bear territory, definitely like animal territory. But I don't know. I just like. I felt very invincible as a kid, um, to my, yeah, to my, and I, I was, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say there, but, um, I think we all do. I think we all kind of have a little naivety towards like the dangers of the world, you know, and the fact that even both of you grew up in places that had bears in general, like even if like maybe yours was a bit further than say Kyrie's, it's like. I grew up in Pennsylvania where it's like that was never even a thought. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you're just not thinking about that stuff. So you, you'll wander any time. Yeah. And then you come out here and you go, whoa, okay. Yeah. But like when you're doing that, what was like, what was I think? My question basically is like when you started kind of really wandering and doing what you were doing, this wandering soul of yours, what was that mm-hmm. igniting? Did you Do you think that like this this like ability when you would go on these solo missions – Mm-hmm. What did that kind of tap into a little bit? Um, 
can I can I say something else really quick? Oh, any, anything you'd like, yeah. Like completely off the topic. Yeah. Just because I, <laughs> I want to go back. Um, just because I don't I don't necessarily know. I have a feeling that we're recording right now, but I'm not sure. I have this inkling that it's happening, <laughs> but I'm not sure. But I just want to make like a emphasis on the area in which I grew up, just because it matters to me. Um, because it's it's not necessarily like a part of my identity. Perhaps it could be. Um. But just something, it was like, in in where I was raised, like, yes, I use the reference point of Glacier National Park, but where I grew up was on the the Flathead Indian Reservation. And so, and like a lot of my friends um, were like, some of them were a part of the Flathead Nation and some were not. And I know just like a really, like really uh, going into that living situation or like that space as a kid, I had... Like, no, I, like, really, I didn't know, um, like, that that really mattered, I guess, as a kid. Like, where, where, what space or place was, kind of. And, and then just growing up, just having, like, these years behind me now, and just, like, in reflection to that, it just, like, feels really necessary and important to, to... To, like remind myself of when yeah. I when I think about like where I grew up. Yeah. yeah. Like the history of the land. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the history of the land. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe just shifting gears here a little bit, like you get here, Michaela, you you get yourself here, you know, with your with your ex-partner. You find that this community has a lot to offer. Like what was it about Bozeman that like cuz you you can get here. Everyone can be here. Some people last here for a few years, a few months, whatever it is. Like, what what was the thing about Bozeman that kind of was like exciting to like adventure into this new world? Um, I mean, like, I feel like the the point in time that was like the light bulb of, oh, I like finally found my place. Was um, I I didn't grow up with outdoor sports, so it was like something that I was like trying to navigate. Mm. And, you know, it's like most outdoor recreation when you're talking about like things like backcountry skiing or mountain biking or even backpacking Mm -hmm. has a really high startup cost, right? Yeah. And the nice thing about Bozeman is because it's so something that so many people do, there's also a lot of really cheap kind of shitty gear. Yeah. Um, So I was able to get into skiing just from hand-me-downs. Um, but then this community is so extreme that I didn't really have people to take me out, right? Um, and I, this is so Bozeman, ended up um, making a friend with this girl Tori at the filling station um, because, I don't know, we were both just out and kind of not participating with the people that we were around, so we started chatting, um, and it started this friendship and so there was this day that we went and did like the Alpine start. She was more experienced in backcountry skiing than me. So she took me out and like mm. we got up and um, like we were just like right outside of town. I think we did. What's that one right outside of town is like um, Goose Creek? Bear? No. Bear Canyon? I, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't yeah. remember what we did. It was like totally accessible, like yeah. generally pretty safe. most people can do it if they're learning Um, and just had the most beautiful morning 
And then we drove back into town and went to a drag brunch. And Kyrie was there. And um, I don't know. It was just like that. It was like, where else can I actually do that? Where it's like, I can go ski. I can go backcountry ski 15 minutes outside of town and then roll up straight to a drag show. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can do that anywhere else. Like, yeah, there's like places and there's like cities that have like really vibrant, beautiful drag communities. Mm -hmm. But the distance for like outdoor access is larger, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you guys are here and you're, you're, you're finding yourselves in these kind of adventure states. What I would love to know is how, when you two are hanging out, chatting, how this particular adventure came to be. And I guess just like kind of walk me through basically what it was that got you to come up with. We're going to bike from the border of Mexico, basically up to the border of Canada. I'd love to hear that. Um, well, I'd always wanted to do a through hike. Um, so that's like, and then we live in Bozeman, right? So like the CDT is mm -hmm. something that I was aware of. Um, and Kyrie biked across the country a few years ago. Um, just one time. Have you, have you done it multiple times? Like the biking cross country? Um, I just, yeah, I, I, Back in 20, gosh, when was it? I think it was 2019. Yeah. I, I biked from coast to coast from Bellingham, Washington to Lubeck, Maine. Oh, really? You went from west to east? West to east, yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like yeah. I never really meet that many people that go west to east in any of those mm -hmm. tourneys. I've, I've done east to west. What was the, is that just following the seasons in that regard kind of way? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I started in March, so like really early from the West Coast perspective. Yeah. Um, and I went south, and I went to California, and it took me further south and into Nevada, and well, then I popped up to Utah, randomly, <laughs> and then down to um, Colorado, New Mexico. Maybe my order might be a little off. Um eventually took me to Texas and Oklahoma and then Arkansas. Like I stayed in the South like quite a bit before I started going North. I started going North once I hit North Carolina, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like is Tennessee, that a Tennessee, I think I started hitting going North. Oh yeah. Same. Yeah. It was just like a little U shape through the U S it was kind of fun. And like the, what guided me along that journey was like truly I didn't have a route set up like it was just all by like a whim or like a feeling that I had the day before or the morning I woke up it's just like what direction I wanted to ride or like how many miles could I do today mm. and I would just ride all day until I was whooped or something I don't know just like oh, I could use some food right now and then I would stop at a market and go dumpster diving to satiate myself and then go sleep for the night or I would meet people in said community and people would offer me like a place to stay or give me like recommendations on like oh the route ahead looks like this I would recommend you go this way or um I use an I also use an organization called warm showers 
which is like a really strange name looking back at it. Like I always thought it was weird when people are like, what do you use to stay with people? Oh, I use warm showers. It's like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Like, is that like, like a, like Tinder? <laughs> so, no. And like, oh, sometimes the showers nice. aren't warm, but like, yeah. I don't know. I think it, I don't know where the name comes from. I, I don't know who created this, but yeah, anyways, it's like, yeah, it's like a couch surfing for cyclists basically mm. where you can meet cyclists um from across the country and i think it's a worldwide organization and it's accessible um i think you have to like maybe pay like a, a month or like a subscription that's like i a feel like it's one like 25 bucks or something yeah yeah it's like 20 bucks to make an account and then you have it and then you just get to talk to cyclists everywhere if mm. you want um and reach out to them in a day or two in advance to see if they have space for them to host you and the amount of times that i received like a host was gosh I probably I in my other journal I probably I think I have every host written and it was it was that was like a five-month journey and I had like probably over 50 hosts mm. or so like or around there maybe um wow. so I like stayed with a lot of people I met so many people it was really cool so then Michaela and I got to use that on our journey that was kind of our send-off actually we stayed with a host in Albuquerque Named Roland, who baked us a beautiful loaf of bread. Oh, it was so good. Really? It's yeah. really beautiful bread. Wow. Yeah, that was fun. Now, um, and like me and you have been guilty of having like probably the longest text back chain of all time. And I don't mean like <laughs> consistent. I mean like yeah. four weeks here, three weeks here. Being like, hey, sorry about that. Just getting back to you. Yeah. Which is great. I love it. We'll, we'll connect when we connect. Do you find yourself more accessible on the trail or less accessible that's a good that's a good one um i'm definitely more accessible on the trail hmm. i have more i think less distraction from the outer world and i'm definitely more focused on myself and how i want to put myself outward into the world kind of so i, I find like even on this trip that michaela and i just did i was like definitely in reaching out mode um and that was after months and months before the trip of being pretty inward and isolated that I like had the like I couldn't reach out like I had the inability to mm. and and it was pretty obvious I don't know if you noticed it on this trip but I was like definitely wanting to connect with the world a bit more mm -hmm. yeah and I'm yeah I I mean there'd be times where we just have like really long cycling days and you're definitely be exhausted and just want to like sleep and or we were out of service so like there'd be days where I wouldn't be in service but I'd always be thinking about like who I'm going to reach out to or how I want to reach out. Um, and it just, it got in my head pretty rough, like beginning of the trip, how I just wanted to like make this trip um, into something beyond just like a thing for us to do together. Like I wanted to raise money for, for something, for someone, for somehow an organization. And that was in my head pretty bad for a while. And it was unfortunate that we didn't get to create something um, because I was hoping to be able to to reach out in that sense, and I just didn't have the the tools to to make that happen. But maybe another time. Maybe yeah, that. that was definitely something that I feel like we both kind of have this weight as far as like a missed opportunity um, because we had that concept of really wanting to utilize the bike trip as like a way to raise money for something that we cared about. Mm. Um, that 
could have been really easy. But I know for me, like, I, I really wanted, like, a local – like, I wanted to raise money for, like, a local nonprofit that, like, hit the intersection of, like, queer kids outside. Um, and I, like, wasn't able to find anything like that in Montana. Um, and so I got really stuck. And we, like, reached out to a lot of contacts – Mm-hmm. And, like, try to do a lot of brainstorming and received, like, a lot of love and space held for, like, mentors, like, our mentors that were giving us ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it just really – we also both had a lot happening in our personal life as we were, like, trying to make the trip happen. So mm-hmm. I think that although we're both disappointed, we, like, learned a lot mm-hmm. um, yeah. that, like – we have that skill moving forward and I'm just grateful that we were able to do the trip at all. What do you think really kind of like disallowed what you had dreamed of to do with this to not maybe come to fruition? You know, like you said, you wanted to raise money, but then again, like you got into this journey and maybe this is a very introspective question because that's what it is. Like when you hopped on this journey that you guys just got done doing, you didn't probably realize how much of an inner journey it was going to be just in that and that takes up a lot of space let alone trying to raise money for something else so I'm curious as to like how you navigated that either one you know yeah I feel like I feel like something for me that ended up being like a surprise just because I've I've never done anything like this before um and I was really lucky because Kyrie had experience like just like referring back to like the warm showers and like the kind of having experience and like navigating tools and talking to strangers and asking for help, you know, um, that was something that I learned along the way. And so as a human that puts a lot of energy into showing up for other people, um, the trip was really good practice for me in having to show up for myself um, and having to ask strangers for help, like we were so dependent on anyone that we ran into because going on the trip in a world opening up after COVID, all the beta that we had on towns was false. Like we would show up to towns planning on staying in a hostel that had closed like two weeks before. Um, so there were so many occasions where we would just meet people out on the street who would take us in to their homes or send us to one of their friends. Um, and, and our whole journey home too. like, Mm -hmm. we were stranded in Jasper, Alberta, trying to get back to the States and like hitchhiked all the way to Post Falls, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, did you guys cross in, into Canada? Mm-hmm. I yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, we spent, gosh, two weeks in Canada, three weeks cycling. Mm-hmm. Stop it, really? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I didn't, is that where the trail ends or is that what, like, you, ex- oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought it was just coast to coast. I didn't realize, or like, you know, border to border. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you went over into it. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. And really quick with that, like, with the practice, um, of like asking for help. It was like a big practice in receiving too, I feel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like how we received just like such an abundance of like 
love and interest. Like a lot of people were like interested in what we were doing or just like interested in helping us in some way, shape or form. And so sometimes it's hard to receive that like love or help um, when you're not able to like give back monetarily or with the same amount of kindness. Like, I mean, we can give back with kindness, of course, um, which, yeah, we, we got to and, and we got to receive that. But it's like sometimes I felt like we received so much kindness. It was like, but you hardly know who we are. You don't have any idea who we are. But and like, how can I show you my my gratitude without just with just saying thank you? So, yeah, it's just like there was a lot of practice in receiving and I'm yeah. still learning how to do that, even though I had like my last trip experience. But this one, it it's still present for sure. Learning how to receive. Well, I know for me it was uncomfortable. Like I remember that. Yeah, I remember you're like, what am I? What do I? What do I say? What do I do? Or like having hard time. Like this is so much. Well, it was, was like, like unfathomable yeah. kindness. <laughs> Like yeah. people bent over backwards to take care of us. Literally, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about what kind of joke was that? Acrobatics one? on the trail. Oh, there you go. We did end up in one. <laughs> did you really? Lovely polyamorous household. Oh, but Wait, where was that? In Wyoming. In Pinedale. Oh, that was hilarious. In Pinedale. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know in Pinedale, Wyoming. I was, Wyoming. Gonna, I was gonna say heart. I don't think we'll be ousting anybody because Pinedale is actually decently, decently big. But you know, mm. <laughs> Wyoming oh, yeah. of all places, interesting. Okay. Yeah, maybe let's just say Wyoming. <laughs> I don't want to put them out. Oh, no, I don't think you they're will. pretty. They're pretty self confident. Yeah, but um, they don't take shit. No, <laughs> but yeah. and they and they gave you a lot of just this welcoming you know, you receiving that you said was very much like a, wow, this is incredible that these people are doing so much to give to us on this trail. Oh my God. We were part of a family for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a really beautiful family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was just incredible. And then, um, who, oh gosh, I'm spacing right now. Who was the woman that took us in in Canmore? Um, Marilyn? Um, Marilyn. Yeah. Um, This woman, Marilyn in Canmore, I met her in a campsite when we were staying just outside of Banff. We were in, what was it, Lake, was it Kananaskis? No. Yeah, Kananaskis Lake. Lakes. Yeah, the Kananaskis yeah. Lakes. Okay, we're somewhere For everyone there. listening, we have notebooks here <laughs> with us of the journal entries that <laughs> let us flesh out the facts here. Yes. I love it. But so I um, love it. I mispronounced the name of that for weeks, <laughs> so go me for getting it right on the podcast. What was it called again? Lake Kananaskis. Lake Kananaskis. Everybody's going to listen how to this and say I'm pronouncing say- it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How were you saying it beforehand? No idea. I don't want to remember. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was just chatting with her and her husband, who's like an ice field scientist, like genius man. Um, And they were giving us all this beta on the area because we we got we were getting in early. So we had all this extra time. So we were like, okay, well, we didn't know if we could go to Jasper, but we definitely can. So how do we want to get there? And um I gave them my email just in case, just like, you know, like we can keep in touch, whatever. And then we ride to Banff the next day 
Banff is a zoo. We've never been before. It's nature Disneyland. It's a nightmare. We just have a nightmare of an evening. Like Yellowstone just in its own way in Canada, huh? Oh, no, it's nothing close. It's it's like... Yellowstone's pretty bad. Yeah, but Yellowstone isn't like a resort town. It's like Vail on steroids. Whoa. Like I... (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I... It was... We're all friendly about bashing Vail here, so... (laughs) It was not... um, I mean, I think we knew. I think we knew that Banff would be crazy, but, like, I didn't create the space. I didn't have the... I wasn't able to conceptualize it until we were there. Um, And we just came out of the forest and... Um, so we just had this horrible night and at midnight we end up also what time did we get into Banff at like 11 or two or something? It's like middle of the day. No, it was like four. Okay. We got in at Probably four. Four or five because it was time to drink beer. I think it was like, <laughs> it was like that hour hit and yeah. you're like, I need a brewery. Yeah. And we found one. Yeah. So in hopefully it wasn't 11 o'clock. Was that a pretty, was that a pretty like consistent thing for you guys on the trip like finding breweries and like other things to like tap into the local scene and stuff like that Kyrie wasn't yeah drinking too much she was like yeah treating her body really well Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted a beer (laughs) after a few days in the woods yeah Uh, yeah and I like kind of kind of cut out coffee too like I mean I was drinking some coffee it was always like sharing it in -hmm. a way but I loved going to coffee shops though that was my favorite along the trip just Every little town community has their own quirky coffee shop, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I loved going to coffee shops. I'm still in debate on whether or not, like, coffee in, like, the field when you're either making instant or you're using, like, the AeroPress with your whole little setup is, like, more satisfying than, like, tapping into the local coffee shop where you, like, you do get that, like, Mm -hmm. cup of coffee. It's this ritual. It's this, like, thing that, like, adds to the energy, you know? Because I've done enough camping in my life to be like, yeah, the coffee's working because I need it to slash like it's what I need <laughs> in the woods for eight days versus like, oh, we're going to stop at this coffee shop because it's going to just satisfy me. I don't mm. know. There's no question there. There's just a, yeah. That's just a, a, an observation. Yeah. It was, yeah, the, the coffee aspect was fun. It was just always like a really nice place to sit for a second and be yeah. off the bike and then to catch up on various forms of life kind of even though we weren't really behind in life at all we were just where we were supposed to be but it was just like a nice uh, way to check check in with each other and make a plan and it was just like really conducive space for that Hmm. charge our electronics forget our sat phone and have to go back for it (laughs) oh yeah that happened a couple times just once just once how far Three, a full a, day's ride. A full day of riding. Full day's worth of riding, and you had to turn back to go get the sat phone. We had a really nice RV oh. uh, crew that drove us into town. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a lot of contemplation about whether or not to actually make that happen or not, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if we were somewhere else on the trail, I wouldn't have minded it that much, but we were just in an area that had such bad mosquitoes. <sighs> like, we were getting swarmed with, like, hundreds that it was, I'd, it was just, like, not an option for either of us, yeah. I think. To, well, it wasn't an option for me to puddle back. Yeah. Unless mm-hmm. I had to. I didn't want to do that section again. <laughs> yeah. Excluding yeah. humans, what's, like, the top annoyances on a trip like that? Like, is it mosquitoes? Is it bugs? Is it just, like, I'm curious as to what those things are. Like, you said mosquitoes. Wind. Wind. 
I'm not like the, I love Mother Nature for all that she is and all that she provides for us to experience, but wind is very hard for me to love dearly. <laughs> but I I can appreciate its purpose. It helps with pollination. That's the greatest purpose I can think of right now. But it, it's not fun to be in all day when you're trying to just like ride a bike, or, like pedal a bicycle forward. Yeah, that was the hardest part when we would run into headwinds. When we would, the majority of our <laughs> trip was riding in headwinds. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and we we would pass a lot of southbounders. They'd be like, "Top of the morning to you." Like, how's it going? They're loving life. Like, yeah, yeah, and we're like, "Hey." Like breathing. Just is like, that a? How's it you, going? <laughs> would you say that's like kind of like I don't want to call it like a, a a misstep or like an overview, but like <laughs> is that something where you're like we didn't actually account for which direction the wind was going to be the worst? Okay, so totally because I honestly did not consider winds at all. Yes. Yeah, go ahead with hers first. No, no, I'm good. It's okay. Um, Just a little bit. I didn't consider winds Perfect. at all when we were planning our route. I don't know yeah. if you did, but I yeah. didn't even think of that, and so. Going northbound, you definitely have worse winds because you're often going west. Mm. Um, that being said, this year we definitely chose the perfect time and the perfect direction. Like the people mm-hmm. that raced got stuck in snow in like five passes up in Canada and northern Montana. Uh, mm-hmm. A bunch of people had to call search and rescue because of hypothermia. And then like everybody hit mud in New Mexico. So like everybody going standard route was just destroyed. We had one day that was a poor choice on our part where we got rained on at fair play when we decided to go to fair play. So we didn't have to sleep outside the restaurant in Hartzell. Might've been my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to blame you on the podcast. We made that trip together. A rare admission from Kyrie on the hotel stay. Wow. I love it. Uh, thank you, grandmother. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was fun. Um, that was such a good good day. But it was also like such a brutal day. It was a really brutal day. Kyrie <laughs> almost got hit by a truck. I was oh, I livid. Hmm. When? When we were in the oh. mountains outside Salida. Oh yeah, like on a like not even on the highway, like it's just a dirt road. We were on farm farmland, like extensive and just minding our own, just like enjoying life and laughing. And then like, then all out of nowhere, we just get this like laying on the horn, and it's because I'm I'm riding in the center, but we're on just a dirt road. Like there's no cars around, so yeah. it's like winds are like twenty to thirty miles an hour. Like yeah. you can't hear. Like totally. we weren't wearing headphones, we weren't listening to music. Yeah, and this truck just like with a trailer rears up behind me, so I have to like swoop in quick to like get out of the way, or else it, like it literally felt like it was gonna barrel me over, and then just like lays on its horn as it passes us, and is just like kicking up dust, and it was mm. just like the strangest gesture. Mm. He must have been having a very bad day, but or just like doesn't really like cyclists. Um, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was a yeah, rough was, patch was of the day. I was so pissed. Yeah. But was we a rough patch, but we make it to Hartzell, and then the spot to sleep there, love that town, was just like right off the highway, and so we didn't want to do that, and so we decided there was like a storm coming in. We were like, let's we'll bike to Fair Play, which is off route, um, but I don't know, it wasn't that far. 
And we just got drenched. We were just biking in downpour. And um, that that was the only time that happened. Like our entire trip, like 3,000 miles. That was the only time that we had bad weather. And it was something that we chose. Mm. Like we didn't have to do that. Crazy. But uh, like I, we talked to so many Southbounders that just were in the nastiest weather this huh. year. Yeah. We did have some bad weather. It seemed like a lot of our bad weather came in. It was in Colorado most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like but there we, was that pass that we did outside of Radium, and then we camped. Oh yeah, Nathan and but we that. like, but we weren't pedaling oh, in it. But we, we weren't pedaling in it. I was <laughs> I was laying in the tent through it while Carrie moved <laughs> all of our stuff and like under shelter, so I didn't really deal with that one. <laughs> Just poking your head out. How you doing out there? Oh no no, I stayed <laughs> under the, the quilt. <laughs> I would just hear these like little peeps of like. Love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. Like it just is it are you okay? I don't know, it's cute. But that was the mo- that was the greatest storm to get to witness and be in. I remember it was just like roaring. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I didn't mind being out there just to witness that, but I was glad to we woke up wet because we we kind of like slept in a puddle of water. Mm-hmm. I remember. But well, cuz we didn't have the uh footprint we just had the tarp because we flew that forward. Um, you bring up a good question that I wanted to ask. Tell me about your guys' gear setup because uh, as someone who like obviously was, you know, helping get some of that stuff through my means and stuff like yeah. that, I just was curious on like the bikes that you guys went with, the the gear and stuff like that. Like just tell me like why you chose what you chose. Thank you, by the way, of helping us get that. Oh, I yeah, I wasn't best. looking for praise. I mean, it was no, as no. simple as, like, a I had a login with something. So real, I was like, shh, <laughs> cut that. We're going to cut that. You got to <laughs> cut that out. Yeah, you can't tell people that. Oh, yeah. We're going to take away. I get taken away yeah. if I sell it. That's the problem. Bobby. Um, no selling. Where to begin with gear? Gear list goodness. Um, begin with the bikes. bikes. Yeah. Oh, the pedal bikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that those thing. are, like, pretty important the, for the, the ride. Mildly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. One would um, say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the way in which I stumbled upon my bicycle friend, um, Michaela had to convince me very hard to not use the one I currently have. Um, my 1980-something Frankenstein um, hard uh, specialized hard rock. Specialized hard rock from the 80s with cantilever brakes that Oof. she wanted to ride as a gravel bike. <laughs> Oof. I was ambitious. Um <laughs> But no, I, I was, I've, it was about that time and place where I was like, I've been working my little bits off. I deserve something like nice for myself for a second and I love bicycles. So it feels worthwhile to invest some time and money into that. And I was so lucky to work with a crew of people this last year who absolutely love bicycles. And when I mentioned, I want to get a bike, they like leaped at the, opportunity to help me they're like yes 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 you do want a bike i know exactly what bike you want and um so yeah a lot of people threw me into the the kona realm a lot of people threw me into the salsa realm i ended up going with the salsa fargo um and i'm really happy i did and i called so many bike shops in this region along like the west coast i think i called maybe a couple in the Midwest just to see. But I remember like the bike 
industry is kind of difficult in some ways to find parts even and then even to find bikes for that matter so I was making phone calls people didn't have bikes and then I made this one call to uh, Fitzgerald's bike shop down in Idaho Falls and I was just like I just asked like hey do you I'm looking for this or that and um and it was just I remember I don't really remember how that conversation went because I was just like in absolute bliss by the response. So I think I like tuned out everything <laughs> because it was like, we have a bike for you. And I was, and that was after like calling like 15 people. And I was just like, this is just going to be another no. Like it's just going to be like another, like I'm going to have to wait for like a little while. And then I just, I remember tuning out the rest of the conversation and I was just like, there's a bike, there's a bike in existence. It's alive. Um, and so it was a, handful of calls later that we were making back and forth just to like build we were like building a bike over the phone basically wow mm -hmm. it was fun like building relationship building a bike and i think a few months down the road i got to go down there and kind of do the build with them um because they got all the parts in which took which was yeah like took a little while and then well you were because like we started talking and planning in october and i mm -hmm. think you were making those phone calls like in january or december january Mm, yeah November oh you were November. making them in November yeah I was making them yeah like fall of 2021 okay yeah so this is like November when we're trying to leave in May right so mm. this should be plenty of time well kind of yeah 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 should but. be when you're making this many months ahead of time yeah but mm -hmm. yeah this is I'm just gonna go into off topic I don't need to please well I was just gonna say I just this is like it was a it was a big um, calling or like a semi wake up call of or not even a, I wouldn't call it a wake up call it was just I I developed a lot of thoughts through my research of finding bikes and it led me down so many different path pathways and I like stumbled across people's like Instagram handles or um, websites of people like welding their own bike frames and then I was just like oh my gosh what could be I could be. <laughs> Like, I could create my own bike frame. And then Michaela was like, Kyrie, we're leaving in, like, four months. You don't have enough time to build a bike frame right now. Oh, my God. She's trying to make her own bike bags. And I'm like, you do not know how to use a sewing machine. Picking like, out the right cow for the leather that they need to <laughs> slaughter for her bags. I know. So I know. ridiculous. And I, so lo I, I love you for that. Thank I do. You. Can you I interject with a question, though? Like, Because I need to know about this. Where did this like wanting to like, you know, beyond the dumpster diving that you did on the last trip, this, that, and the other thing, like we all know you as this like resilient, resourceful person, right? Like bringing the stuff over like you did tonight from the farm. Lovely. This has been who you've been. Where does thou that like, where do you think that stems from? You know, because I think it's a beautiful thing. I think everyone does. It's magical that you want to make your own bags. You want to weld your own frame. What What is the resourcefulness? Where do you think that comes from? Or has that always been? It's definitely not always been. Um, yeah, I don't know where that was, where that was learned. Like, and I, by by some means, like I was maybe educated into that. Like, um, in the sense of, so I, I came to school here in Bozeman for. Honestly, my initial intention was, um, I really liked the concept of growing marijuana. And I wanted to become a botanist. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, like I don't share this one much because it's just like this like little small like idea that 
didn't go anywhere. So it's like, why, why share it? But you could share it. But I, I wanted to be a botanist. And so I came to school here for botany. And then I was like, ooh, horticulture. And then I was like, ooh, I could just get into sustainable farming. And then it kind of went into that route over time. And I think in some ways I would say like my resourcefulness or my interests come from that, maybe that like program and that the people I surrounded myself with were kind of in that way. But it makes sense. It was, it was, it's, it's also very deeply ingrained and personal. It's like something I just, I like live by and care for and I wouldn't think twice about it. It's just like, it's the way that I, that I am. And, but I, but I, I don't know if I was always like that or maybe I always have been like that, but have never had the opportunity to express it until in the last like handful of years, maybe. Yeah. I haven't, it's, it's, it's it's almost a first time hearing what you just said there of like, we see you as this and it's really beautiful. I haven't gotten, no one's said that to me. No, I I think that, Oh, you view me as such. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think it's also just seeing how much of a wasteful world we live in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, like I think from that teaching specifically from where you were going from the, classes in that school you're going to when you're learning botany when you're learning horticulture all these things it's like Mm -hmm. it's a regrowth of that soil it's a regrowth of all the things you're using trying to make sure it's sustainable right Mm -hmm. well when you look at our world it's very much not a great sustainable looking world Mm -hmm. right and so then building your own bike frame was like well there's tons of metal out there why don't we just build it there's tons of leather that's just scrap out there why don't we just build bags you know Mm -hmm. that's what that's my theory as far as like kind of that is that I wish that, and we were talking about Debo earlier, just like doing all these things. It's like mm-hmm. you, you envy that kind of mentality to want mm-hmm. to create something from the scraps of things that aren't being used anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I keep making noise. Uh, oh, you're good. I gave you, it's like the squeakiest yeah. chair that came with this desk and I haven't <laughs> fixed it yet. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it was about, gosh, my second or third year of, of schooling because I, I didn't start dumpster diving until I was, I think, in, on my own, just in, in school and kind of just learning the, the ways of the world. The ways something, of dumpster diving. Yeah. yeah. Something got me into it. Like, and it was most definitely just my, my own curiosity, I think. Well, I was, a, I was a resident advisor on campus for a minute, and I remember there was just, like, this issue of, like, the trash is always being full. And I was like, interesting why are they always full? And then I would notice my residents were like throwing away like perfectly fine food. And then also their clothes and their like contraptions, like uh, just things. And I was like, why, why are you doing that? And then it was especially large on like move out day, even sometimes move in day. People were like, I don't need this. Why did I bring this? And I toss it out. But move out day was like very um, abundant in the, in like the, I, can't deal with this anymore it's too much so we throw it away but yeah I just would notice there was a lot of things going to waste and I would I would retrieve it and um I think I in some ways I received a lot of praise for it because people were like oh I never thought to do that like you're not you're not buying these things you're like making use of something that's perfectly fine still like that's really cool and so that I think that gave me like momentum to keep doing it and then I would like share it with the world and it would ultimately inspire people and get people like really moved by this concept of we don't 
like while it's important to like like for example like support your local economy and buy into that there's also this world that you don't necessarily need to buy into like the capitalistic world of like buying everything new um and the next best thing there's like things out there that are still able to be utilized and repurposed even into some into something so yeah yeah it's like that i got a lot of momentum from that and then i've been doing it ever since that was one of the things that we were talking about because uh, <laughs> did you guys did you guys partake in any dumpster diving on this trip i tried a few times yeah um i think i was lucky a couple times no like i think i got some some fruit and veggies somewhere maybe some bread but you got some good like that fancy bakery in del Norte. there was like a little bit of oh, stuff oh yeah yeah, that's that was fun. Bakeries can be fun to dumpster dive in for, for your quick fixes. Um, <laughs> it was else? hard, like you know, because yeah. obviously that yeah. was the intention when we left, mm-hmm. and then we were in New Mexico in the desert. And it was one hundred and five, mm. and it's like yeah. okay, like don't yeah. want to dumpster dive there. Yeah, the and avocados then, that I found in that supermarket literally just like squish. I grabbed it and it just like went oh, in my hand. Like looks like. I was like oh. Man, that's like really instant guacamole. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I want that. Squeezable guacamole from the avocado. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. But mm-hmm. what, yeah, it's like that's what was so wild on this trip is like it was not easy to dumpster dive. And then on my last trip, it was like the the thing to do. It was like mm. the only way I survived. Well, yeah, because then we hit really. Colorado and everything was bear safe. Oh, so you yeah, couldn't even too. get into the dumpsters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, you don't. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's when you throw yourself in into that, like when you throw yourself into any situation, right? You find out about what really happens, right? But all those things, like the wind, bear safe, like things. It's like unless you do it, you just you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because we, like I said, we had talked about the dumpster diving and like you were like, I don't know, like about where I want to go with it. But you're obviously like open to being like, like, let's figure out what it looks like. Because like you said, you have food, you have what you bring along. Then also it's like behind a great bakery. Maybe there's all these gems in there that you can supply yourself with. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm definitely like pro dumpster. I just have dumpster boundaries. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like I... Like I want that on a t-shirt, right? <laughs> pro, <laughs> pro dumpster is just dumpster boundaries. <laughs> yeah, no, like your girl over yeah. here, she's like for the dumpster burritos. You know, it's like oh. they've been there, like they were on the shelf until like 11 a.m. and mm. they were too long as hot foods. They had to get thrown away. Mm-hmm. I'm here for those when it's negative 20 out. Mm. I'm not here for those when it's 100 degrees out. That's how I'm going to get sick. Amen to that. Dumpster boundaries. Yes. Especially when it's a non-vegetarian burrito, because wh- who knows what's going on with that meat that's sitting down there. <sighs> Builds some boundaries. Builds boundaries. <laughs> don't have those. <laughs> Kyrie's like gastrointestinal system is pleading right now. No, I think it's really strong. I think it's like wow. <laughs> She's coated I've it with this a- dumpster food, where it's just like <laughs> I'm invincible. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Gosh. So it's it's so fun that like I this this subject matter is just like one of my favorite things in the world. It's yeah, just, I don't know. So yeah, glad you brought it up. Thank you. Kind of feels like that's what if you if you guys either do like a hike through something or another bike through something like maybe that's it. Maybe it's this like sustainable, resourceful way of like 
because I mean, how many bikers do, do a lot of bikers do this? Do a lot of people that do what you guys did do that? Mm, I can't imagine, but I haven't met. I've only met Bicycle Steve on my very first trip when I told him that I dumpster dive um, as like some like hot goss. I was like, so yeah, I like dumpster dive. He was like, me too. (laughs) I was like, like, cool, like cool. We're on the same page. But other than that, I've not met anybody who's been like, yeah, I do the same thing. Well, yeah, and that's Um, the road community. And, mm-hmm. like, we haven't met anybody in the gravel community. Hmm. Oh. And that was something that we we spent a lot of time thinking about before the trip. And we ended up – most people on the divide eat a lot of gas station food. Mm-hmm. And we ended up dehydrating a bunch of food and making meals in order to, like, try to reduce waste. But we still had to use plastic, like – we had all of our stuff in like Ziploc bags. And I mean, we, we did multiple meals. So we'd pack like a bag of oatmeal and fruit and mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever else we put in there, like coconut milk and powder and stuff. Yeah. Um, so then that would be like a bunch of meals for the two of us. And then mm-hmm. we'd ship those off. But um, that was like the best we were able to come up with mm-hmm. at the time. Well, I like that we did it in bulk instead of, have you seen in some ways like hikers or I don't want to single out like that, but um, in some ways you've seen allotting food out for yourself. You have them in like individual portions to like make sure you keep on track. We kind of just bulked our food, put it in this big gallon Ziploc or maybe even a half gallon Mm -hmm. and just like took out of that what we needed or thought we needed and then like hoped that it would keep us for the next like four days or something. Mm. Yeah. Most people do single servings. So that was like the thing that we did differently. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it it worked pretty well for us. I don't Mm -hmm. don't remember feeling too hungry. I was pretty satisfied. And I was living, living large, eating lots of, Um, (laughs) I mean, you guys had to be burning so many calories per day, though, right? Like, is it as much as I'm thinking in my head? Like, you know what I mean? Compared to, like, a hiking? Like, do you know, like, those kind of numbers or anything like that? Like, what someone on, like, a PCT is burning, like, via hikes versus, like, what biking does? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember in Brush Mountain Lodge, there was that um, diagram in the bathroom of, like, how many calories you're burning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This this space in, in Colorado... As before, it's like 15 miles south of the Wyoming border. Um, but it was our last Colorado stop, like our last experience called Brush Mountain Lodge. And it's like where you, it's like a sanctuary. It was it's supposed like to be closed this year. We just happened to bike up on it. Yeah. Like, it, and it's legendary. It, really? It's like the legendary stop on the trip. Is this where I saw some photos? Is there like a bunch of stuff out in the front of this one? Like yeah, bikes there are or what was it out front that I thought I saw a photo that you guys took? There were probably a bunch of bikes. There's like outdoor patio space and like shade. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think I remember seeing a photo of this, but yeah. yeah. So go ahead. What what about it? That was so special. Oh golly, where was I going with it? Oh, just like that. Well, that's where the diagram was. But it, the reason the diagram was there is just because that's just like a a hub for touring cyclists to stop. Mm. Um, one of especially if she's there, but I think she, if it's if she's not there, you can still hang out in the space and like camp out at the very least. But it's just like 
it's beautiful because one, it's like somewhat in the middle of nowhere and it's a re-up. So it's like you get some water, you get some rest, you can get some snacks if, if like you're there at a good time. And, and then you're just like, you just meet so many people who are also touring and then you just get to share stories and it's just like a safe space to, to connect. It was like one of the most, I just, we were only there from 6 PM to like 7 AM the next or 8 AM the next day. Yeah. But it felt like we were there for like two or three days because of like all the interactions we had, all the memories. Like there was just like one thing after the other of just like something happening the vortex. It was a vortex. We were like on a yeah. different plane. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. But it was it was also really cool just because we'd spent um we'd spent so much time in just like really rural areas in New Mexico and Colorado and um like something that I'm still processing as like being on a bike instead of with like a vehicle and being able to leave was just like we had a handful of experiences of maybe just like not being in queer celebratory spaces. Um, and like, that's the whole thing. But um, Brush Mountain Lodge is like the first time where it was like, oh, like there is love here. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting living in Bozeman in this community that sees me and like sees us and just like thrives to like kind of not have that in my life for a little bit and have to be really independent and Mm self-sufficient and then be in a space again where I'm welcome I that was just really beautiful it was like I was like being filled with like love I don't know how to explain it but that was really special too yeah everything about that place was perfect yeah that's groovy (laughs) But yeah, wrapping back around, there was this diagram in the bath. <laughs> I love you. Was, I, I totally agree. It was like such a vortex. It was so, so celebratory and lovely. But do you remember that diagram? It was mm-hmm. you going, you going potty and then there's just like, this is you on a bicycle. Like, oh, I wish I could remember every single statistic or data that was on it because it was actually really interesting. But it says, it says something about like a 10 hour day of cycling can burn up to 5,000 calories. And like 10 hours is like pretty minimum. If you're like a racer, that's just like, Mm -hmm. that's like, well, like minimum ish, like probably maybe average. I feel like they're doing like at least 18. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're doing at least 18,000 calories. No, the racers are doing at least like 18 hours in the saddle. Yeah. They don't sleep. Yeah. And I, and I remember like, you know, cause I was pretty naive to what you guys were doing in the sense of like, oh, there's a race that happens too. And said so you said you guys mm-hmm. were crossing a bunch of southbounders or people southbounding doing this race. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> that's wild. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about doing that and how fast do you say that they do that sometimes? Like you I said, the 18 minimum days? is 14 days. 14 the record days. is just under 14 days. Okay. So it's like 13 yeah. days and like 23 hours or something. Yeah. And just for context, how many days were you on the trail or were you on? We were pedaling nine to 10 weeks. Nine to 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And people do this sub 14. Yeah. For, <sighs> sub 14 four, days. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. I know. Crazy. I know. Isn't it bonkers? It's bonkers. Gosh. It was really cool. Like I remember we were, we had just climbed up beyond radium in Colorado 
and one of the racers, he was definitely like probably in like sixth or seventh, like unless there were cyclists that passed us that passed us at night. But it, remember we got that flurry of cyclists in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And and he was like definitely one that was like in the top, and he like we stopped on this mountain top, and I was hanging out waiting for Pip, and um, he just like stopped and like shared a. Like he, we didn't share the bar together, but we shared the experience. And then he was eating a bar, <laughs> and just like got to stop for a second, like take in the view. And that was really cool because every mm. other kind of racer was kind of they were like on the move. Mm-hmm. Some of them would like wave and say hi, but I don't know. It was just like really fun to to share that moment together. Like we're both kind of out here doing something that feels good and meaningful and intentional for us. And then we got to. We'll probably never talk again, but it was just yeah. like we got to share that moment. Yeah. The question that I kind of had on, on, on in my head when you guys were talking about uh, what Br- Brush Mountain, what was mm-hmm. it called? Brush Mountain. Uh, and you said that there wasn't a lot of places that were as welcoming as that place. Were you guys met with a lot of resistance and anything like that? Like at all? Like, I, I don't know. You know, I was just curious if there was any resistance met in, in that field. Because you, you guys did a lot of camping, though, right? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, like, a lot of, like, this interaction to be maybe at, like, a hostile-type place like that. So I was just, just curious. Yeah. There there were just, like, a couple. There, like, there were a handful of instances that we experienced where there was this gut feeling of, like, I'm not safe right now. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Like, I'm, like, still processing it. But um, mm-hmm. it's... It's really interesting um, having to, like, hide a part of yourself, right? Especially, you know, it's like Kyrie and I have had conversations about accessing, like, backcountry spaces in Montana. And it's like, oh, like, if we go to, like, these rural towns, like, are we just friends Mm -hmm. in those instances? And, like, the kind of consensus that we've both come to is – no, like we're fine. And if it doesn't feel good, then we'll assess that and leave. Mm. Um, but on this trip, there were instances of, oh, no, we're like definitely just friends. And you can like tell by a look. And then it's like the assumptions that other people make. And I don't know. It was just it was really. It made me feel really guilty like it made me not feel good about myself mm. to be in that kind of space of prioritizing my like safety over my values. Um, mm-hmm. But it was also the first time in my life that I've my only access point of moving is my bicycle. And in a lot of spaces we're on like the edge of really rural places. And so it's like, where am I going to bike to the woods? You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's like even if I leave, it's not like I'm going to a place of security anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and fast enough, you know, like you're not going somewhere like where you're going to be able to zip away necessarily, right? Right. Hmm. But it's really interesting just like I know the instance that you're thinking about and it's the, like 95% of our interactions with people were like beautiful and positive and just outside of anything I ever could have imagined and changed my worldview, right? Yeah. But then there were like other instances where 
like the humans that we were interacting with just really have a different perspective on the world and don't necessarily hold values that I believe are like sacred to human life. Mm. Um, and there was like an acquiescence that was required of me in order to exist in that space. And so that was the thing that was really hard for me that I'm still sitting with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that what kind of also prompted what you guys originally wanted to go into this bike ride with, which was to like raise awareness for, um, I forget what the name was when you said it earlier in the, in the, in the talk. Um, was it queer, queer, queer youth and access, queer youth and access. That was what I wanted. Yeah. I was yeah. really interested in like <clears throat> queer youth, act, yeah. like outdoor access just because like, even like mm -hmm. as an adult, it's like, I'm sure this exists in Seattle, but in Montana, we don't have any like backcountry queer intersection. Mm. Um, even like grassroots, that's mm -hmm. really small. There's like no resources for that. Yeah. And did like these little instances that you guys were that you guys are alluding to and stuff like that, did that kind of raise that in your head as you were on this on this journey of being like, yes, this is why something like this is important for me to maybe vocalize or want to be a part of and, and stuff like that because of something being or a place being a little bit behind the times of, say, maybe a Seattle or something like that? I think it was reinforced. Yeah. Reinforced yeah, is probably a better word for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I'm, I feel like in some aspects, we had a lot of like educational conversations. Like one of my favorite like run-ins was with Lynn, like uh, with that human in, in Helena. Um, oh, with Linda? Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> okay, you spiked wait, levels like, here so because of how excited you are. I know I love it. Let's hear about Linda. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much joy in like one... That, that was, was yeah, yeah. So okay, precious. I can rant about this forever. Yeah. First, Give me the spark notes. Yeah, here's Linda. <laughs> Wait, first, I mean, rant if you like. First, I want to brag. <laughs> Please. Right? So it's like, you know, Kyrie's a phenomenal athlete and could totally race if she wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. I am not. Um, but, like, we had the time to do this trip, and so we committed to it. And You are beauty and you are grace. <laughs> I love you, too. But... Um, <laughs> Also, I'm going to push back on that you're not because it just takes training, right? Everything just takes the willpower and mentality to do it. You obviously just did something that most people in the world will never do. But I had the time. Right. But if you did the time to race, you'd, do, you'd make sure the due diligence was there to make sure you could prepare for that race is what I'm saying is that mm -hmm. you could do it. She can do it, yeah. but so can you. Okay, yeah, and that's, that's been something you've been saying a lot in response. Pip has been saying that where it's like, because I had the time. Mm. And that's been a really fascinating, because like I've never responded in that way before. When people are like, how could you do this? And it's like, well, I just like wanted to. So like that's like what caused me to do it. Like I just like had the, my heart was like in this kind of, or my, my heart and my mind were kind of in this like tumultuous place that like ached me to do this endeavor. But it wasn't had nothing to do with time, so it's been always been really interesting when I hear that as your response. Well, I just yeah. I'd never been in a place where I felt like I had the ability to take that kind of time off work. Yeah. So it was Which like is so fascinating to me. It's like time off. 
Yeah. Like this time off aspect. Yeah. Especially as you get older. You know what right. I mean? That becomes less and less of this thing that we have in our world. Sadly, right. but totally. it is a real thing. Yeah. 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 You know? And, so, yeah. Oh, man. And then we received so much in our bike ride of like, how can you take this time off work? Don't you have a job to get to? Or like, we, we didn't receive like so many, I exaggerated, not so many times, but it was definitely like, it was definitely a handful at least of just like, hey, what do you, like, I wish I could take time off like that. And so much so it just felt like very time in, like f- time, like intentional time mm. for me to live like a life experience that I deserve and that I feel like really connected to. So it was hard for me to hear those words a lot of the, like I would like kind of cringe because mm. I was like, I'm not taking time off of anything at all. And so, and so that's like, I feel like we, that's where we like maybe differed just a little bit in but you're you're also kind of tapped into this like alternative lifestyle where you'll do seasonal work and live in really obscure housing situations that I think like the majority of the US population doesn't even see as a possibility. So mm-hmm. you'll you'll work and be able to spend basically no money on expenses. Mm-hmm. And then you'll like have that money to go like bike around for like 3 months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're like not spending as much like cost of living as like the standard American because you'll sleep in weird places. You <laughs> and, know? I, and I eat out of dumpsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like another way to phrase it is like quick release tether systems, right? Where it's like you haven't bound <laughs> like, yourself to like a year long, yeah. like necessarily like a year long a uh, rent situation or a job that requires you to be there for like this kind of time, but it mm-hmm. makes you, and that's kind of what the purpose of this podcast is, right? Is to flesh out how we crafted our lives to fit with the things that we most value in our life. Right. Um, and that could, that's a representation of it. And it subconsciously gets done because mm-hmm. you go on autopilot because this is what matters to you is being able to take mm-hmm. four months and take that, time off um but reality is is you know that that's what makes you whole in a lot of ways or at least fulfills your cup so that you go okay i'm gonna live in obscure housing i'm gonna not have a job that has to make me be here nine to five all the time like this and i'm not gonna get this kind of locked in rental situation so that i can go do those things so i just went on a rant right there but that's kind of what like i was hearing from that interaction and stuff like that whereas you might go that's time off that you've curated because of all the work that you've done to then take these four months versus this is just what i'm gonna do in these four months of life and then i'll come back to maybe a different house maybe a different place maybe this (laughs) out of the other thing you know right which totally changed my perspective Mm. yeah Mm. absolutely yeah that's huge a perspective change especially on that one is huge yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that that's what I love about all the people that I've met in my life. You know, the reason that you two are on here is not just your bike ride, but the fact that there is this perspective of life that I'm gravitated towards that I think it's just cool to hear. You know, it's cool to hear these moments that you talk about. And like, like you said, this changed a lot of things for you taking this bike ride. But it was also something going into it and talking with you, having our coffee dates and going out and just catching up that, you know, there was these 
angst build up with it. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you're going into this unknown where as someone like yourself, who's done these kind of things before. Mm-hmm. And so just seeing these two worlds come together and go forward, I was like, yeah, let's do this. I can't <laughs> wait to hear about it. I was so glad you got to be a part of it. In yeah. That way. That's really beautiful. I love that. I love your words there. Yeah. That's really fun. Can yeah. I go back to bragging now? I was <laughs> <laughs> This is how these podcasts become like eight hours long. <laughs> we started with Linda, then you went to bragging, and then we got into that one. Oh, I'm going to get to Linda. <laughs> oh, yeah, Don't please, worry, please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So it's not like, you know, we didn't do this trip and get like a race record mm-hmm. or get like some like ultralight record or like any of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Like I have no bragging power for any of that. But the thing that we did do that I think might be – the first time anyone's done is we biked to Helena Pride, right? So we biked to Montana Pride. We oriented a trip around that and um, ended up taking like a week off in Butte with Kyrie's sister in order to hit our timeline right mm. and made it to Helena. Kyrie performed like we had just like the most beautiful weekend with all of our friends and it was amazing. And then... We stayed an extra day because the weather was bad and we had to go to breakfast at the casino with the queens in the morning, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that always takes longer than you plan on it. Were you rehearsing while on trail? I think a little. Maybe. (laughs) That's so awesome. I was definitely like fluttering for sure, like fluttering with, with my sexuality and with my expression here and there but it was I think like in that time off I had in Butte with my sister was when I was kind of like okay I need to we have Helena Pride next weekend let's curate something that like matters to me and because this like whole thing does matter to me it's just sometimes that space is always hard because it's all like I need I have so many thoughts and feels and ideas to like express the way I want to express so it's like I don't need to go down that hole, but, um, no, technically not. I was not rehearsing. Like I wasn't able to, I had no makeup with me. I had nothing with me. I just had like my imagination, I guess. So I was kind of playing around with stuff with Pip, I guess, with like ideas, but that's it. Um, but I managed to pull something out at the, at Pride, which was cool. Yeah. You were phenomenal. It was beautiful. Phenomenal. It was fun to go thrift shopping, um, in Helena the like day before, two days before to like yeah. <laughs> kind of just like create something. Yeah. A concept, but well, I, I that was yours. I really yeah. wanted to be past it and have somebody pick us up, but then gas prices were crazy oh, so, yeah. and yeah. it wasn't yeah. realistic. So we just took a week off. There's any time to but bike we could in the have... world. It was that good for you oh, guys. Oh yeah. 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 Seriously. But we totally could have gotten so to the border. Yeah. And then. Oh, for sure. Gotten picked up and yeah. still had extra time. So it was yeah. just like. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. We could have bought to Alaska probably. Just kidding, no. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where that went, but um, I have a She's quick, just alluding to another yeah, a next trip. Another yeah, trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wheels are coming back on. Wheels. Bragged. Got We're to bragged. there. Linda. Linda. Yeah, Go so Linda. we stayed that extra day because we were doing breakfast along with the queens and like did a bunch of like resource finding from like all of our people and Helena got connected to Linda who had actually already shouted at Kyrie during the parade. 
because because she was on her bike and Linda saw her and was like, do you need a place to stay? You can stay with me. So Linda is, um, I'm going to botch this term, but self-identified gray hat lesbian, gray head lesbian. I I can't remember. Is that just someone who has gray hair? Yeah. Okay. That was how I interpreted it. But like also like the people that built the path, you know what I mean? Like she's been in the skin in the game for a long time. Yeah. Like old time activist. Um, She had a mobile bike shop in Helena for decades. She attempted to race the divide last year. A few or a couple years ago, she was trying to set the record for like women over 70 because there is no record Mm. and totally would have sent it, but had actually, I don't want to talk smack on anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think she could have um utilized a different training program, that was what she wanted. But um, anyway, just like really phenomenal human and mentor, and like so many stories, and just so much like a teacher, I think, for both of us. Um, that we just happened to get connected to. And what was so crazy for me is that like, I was like, oh, like I have no intergenerational like queer relationships. And it's like, I've read stories or like nonfiction books or watched movies about that generation of like lesbians or like whoever, but I don't actually have any of those friends. And so it was so crazy to hear these stories about, you know, like the 60s and the 70s and the AIDS epidemic and all these things that I know about empirically, but not from like the perspective of someone that I care about that's lived it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That also is a cyclist, right? And gravel bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was crazy. Mm. That that was just such a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you stay with them? Oh, yeah. We crashed in her yard. (laughs) She made us dinner. That's awesome. One thing I wanted to hit on, because this is actually something I've actually thought about, and this is a premeditated question, if you may, is, and the question applies to both, but, you know, Kyrie, when you and I actually went to to snowboard that one time, when uh, homegirl may or may not have followed me off a cliff and hurt herself. (laughs) Sending love. (laughs) Sending love to that one. You know, we were talking about just your and I's similarities and the angsts of life, the things that maybe have caught us in our times of being either confused or or lost in a cloud or whatever. And, you know, this thing that you've done here is just one thing in a, in a plethora of stuff that you've gone out to do. And I'm just curious, and again, question for both, but like what kind of comes from a journey like this that you are able to digest and look back and go like why does this fill your cup up I guess is the simplest way I can ask the question that's a great question thank you that's a really good one I like that and I I like the way you framed it quite a bit the phrase the phrase fill the cup is like is such a fun one because I I hear like it's intention Um, and it sounds like really fulfilling in a way, but like sometimes experiences like this can be really draining too. So it's not always like a fill. Hmm. Sometimes it's like, um, sometimes it's like a really big release or like let go that ultimately can maybe refill in some ways. Um, ultimately like the journeys like this or 
adventures of this capacity and in this nature tend to be, and I, and I've gotten to go on a couple in my life that I'm really grateful for getting the opportunity to do. Um, but the, this, the first one I went on wasn't by any means like this, but this one in particular was, I would say definitely like a healing, like cultivation of healing for me in a, in a few aspects and that while it was filling to be like I'm taking time for myself that feels really good it was also incredibly draining like it was a lot of energy it was a huge struggle I was seeing parts of myself that I'm not very proud of parts of myself that I deeply deeply struggle with um hard to look at sometimes and um and I kind of there just like alluding to like a little bit of like mental health bits, you know? Um, and yeah, it's just like these, these spaces for me getting to like, yeah, while Michaela and I did this bike ride together, there would be days where we would, um, kind of ride separate. Like we, we, we'd always meet at the finish line, like wherever we were ending up that day, we'd always meet up or meet like partway through and just check in and see how we were doing. But so while we were doing this together, it was also like very individual. So we, we both got a lot of time and space to, to like think for ourselves and be with ourselves. Um, so yeah, I just got to like, it is like incredible space to see myself outside of myself, but it was also really terrifying. Like some days I would have a really hard time with it and Michaela would check in and be like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm not doing really great, but like the sun is out though. So that's like pretty cool. But like, I'm, I'm thinking a lot and, um, yeah, I could, I could travel down that, that subject for a hot minute, but I kind of want to turn it over to you to refresh my mind in a minute and come up with something else. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Kyrie and I both had the intention of healing, um, for this trip. My dad passed in April right before we left. And like I set this time aside for, I mean, we set it aside together, but I set it aside for myself with like the knowledge that if I didn't drastically change my life in that period of grief, I probably wouldn't um, take care of myself very well. So the bike trip was like a space that I had to like exercise and I mean, we ate pretty well considering, you know, just like eat good meals and take the time to reflect and like take the time to grieve, but do it in a way that felt um, not necessarily productive because grieving doesn't have to be productive, but just like conducive for my process. Um, and so it was, it like was all of those things. Um, but I have found in coming back, I've had a really hard time settling back into life in Bozeman mm -hmm. where it's just like, I don't know, trying to do the daily slog after three months of pedaling, eating and sleeping and shitting for sure. I definitely <laughs> like... <laughs> As like it a, was like it was a good day if you got to go to the bathroom first thing. No, no, no. Okay, like as like a backcountry <laughs> purist, right? Like, like there is nothing like doing your own whole nature poop, like view of the mountains, like isolation, solitude, right? Yeah. 
Nope. The bike trip totally changed my perspective. Now I like places with pit toilets for like mm. ease of access. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls do poop. Yep. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets out. Yeah. Heads up. Oh, did you ever feel like it was, it took a second, like, to, or did it feel relieving to have a bathroom of, like, say, for example, like, what's in your apartment right now? Like, did that feel, does that feel nice and relieving? Because I still get the urge to go pee outside or go to the bath, like, go, I got at the farm. I'm like, gosh, I just want to, I don't want to use that bathroom. I just want to go in the wood chips. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, like, it feels so much nicer to be out <laughs> under the Kick sky. it up like a cat, just like cleaning a cloner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like really yeah. connected to the earth that way. And I, I wonder if that's just like what kind of thought that is. Like, you know, why am I there? But I don't know. I'm just wondering if you have the same or if we're just completely different, <laughs> different people in that way. There is it. something really energizing about like the cold wind on your butt when you're peeing, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like energy it's like it's like yeah. this moment of like i am a human and i exist in this world you know <laughs> <laughs> you got on me about a deep analytical analytical about this you guys are going about wind on butts dude i'm serious <laughs> can you seriously not relate to I that i can fully relate fully to that relate. i i love it we're fully yeah we're there. I'm a big <laughs> hold on two hands on the tree and just like lean back and you're like, oh, that's a nice gust. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. 20% of this podcast has been poop talk. So <laughs> <laughs> bathroom talk, even better. Well, it was, it's honestly, it was such a dominant thing of our trip to, to be like quite honest. Like we were always checking in with each other of like, hey, how are your movements today? No, not cycling, but like how are your like movements today well we only had one um trowel oh yeah too so we were always so we had to pass it back and forth <laughs> we're always knowing that ultralight life you know oh yeah 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 that's funny it's, that's but hilarious. no and that's like a thing i mean like i feel like anything that you listen to or read or whatever about Trail stuff, I imagine... Well, I know it's really prominent in hiking communities. I imagine it's pretty prominent in cycling communities, but I guess we didn't have that many conversations. But, like, a lot of your life is, like, around, like, trying to find a place to poop. Mm -hmm. But... And so people are really comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're sharing that same exact experience with all these people that you're passing, too. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I think that that's, like, kind of the best part about it. You're just like, yeah. And that's like, everyone's always said that, right? Like the fastest way to get to know a friend, partner, this, that, or the other is like go camping. Yeah. You know, you're going to realize like people's breaking points, people's, you know, yeah. <laughs> bowel movements, people's things that you're like, you can't really hide. And I think that that's the most beautiful part about like why I love this uh, aspect of life, why I love diving into the backcountry, why I love diving into adventures, because like it does show you the most raw person that you can be. Mm-hmm. And from that, you get to like open yourself up to your partner or your friends and go, This is me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys get done this journey, you make it to Canada, you're back here. We've talked about kind of that reintroduction back into the societal world. Like, what's next? for you, both of you, you know, as you guys kind of come back into this, we're getting into winter here in Montana, which is going to get cold and 
low light and stuff like what, what's both, you know, next for you. And it doesn't need to be the next big adventure unless that is something you, you, you want to talk about, but like what's mm-hmm. next in, in either one's world. Oh yeah. Since I've got back, gone back myself back to Bozeman, um, I started kind of feeling a bit more serious or interested in the performing world of like performing arts and mm. kind of taking my drag career a little seriously. Cause it's always been something on the side for me. It's like, I feel like, kind of creating creating a thing or two but just having it be just that like pretty small and not as I mean there's intention behind it but it wasn't it just has never felt like oh this could be like a really major part of my life if I let it I've always kind of kept it just like at arm's length and letting it come come and hug me every now and then but now I'm like I kind of want to like really grasp it so I think that's going to be in my future at least in the next few months that I'm here in, in town. Um, and then I've been working on a farm since I've got back to town, and that's completely delightful. It's just, like, I that's, like, where I, where I belong. I belong in the dirt. Like, I am a plant. Like, I am just there. I'm a sprout. Um, and that's, like, I, I cultivate myself um, the best in those, in those spaces. So... I've been really, really happy since I've gotten back. I've been really busy um, with, like, transition in a way. Like, I've it's been hard adjusting to... I Well, like, I don't really have, like, a permanent living space until... Or I didn't have one until, like, a few days ago. So now I have something to look into, but... Um, and to, like, have. But I've just been in transition for, like, the last handful of months. So it's been kind of fun and kind of difficult. Um, and then I think I will be spending some time, have you heard of the warming center here in town? I have. Yeah. So I'll be working with them for the next handful of months until they're, I don't know, their seasons sounds like it's extending. Like they will be winter and summer. Like it's just like full blown. 24 seven. Well, kind of 24 seven. I think they're, I think like definitely through the night. That's definite. And then potentially in the day hours. So I'm going to kind of become an owl and work in the nighttime, which will be a really big adjustment for me because in, in all honesty, I like it have, I've been having like a lot of not sleeping in my life lately. So I wonder if I'll embody this transition into like this form of work pretty easily or if I'll, I'll have a hard time. So It'll, it'll, it'll be a very new form of work for me because I've not gotten to work like this closely with people for a while. It's been a minute. I, I work a lot of like semi-independent jobs mm. with like farming. Like even though you're with a crew of people, you're kind of out there by yourself just playing around in the dirt and harvesting. And then my other last two jobs have kind of been with the self too. So this will be a lot of socializing, a lot of connecting and, and I think it'll be really difficult, but really beautiful. Mm. So, yeah, we're kind of traveling into, like, a semi-unknown world right now. Feels like, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I don't know how you guys feel about this, and maybe this is, like, very true for you. Mm-hmm. I sleep really well when I'm on travels and trips. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like when I'm in a hike, when I'm in a this, that, the other thing, like I sleep really good. And then sometimes here it's like really tough to find sleep, you know? Did you guys find pretty good sleep in that regard for being on the trail? I mean, especially for someone like yourself. What? 
Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've got the best sleep I've ever received this last few months in, mm. in years. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I just slept so peacefully and just, we had like just the best setup. I don't even, we didn't get to talk about our gear. I just talked about my bike. I'm just realizing. I know. We didn't get to talk about your bike. That's um, okay. <laughs> we can. <laughs> bike's we, a secret. We, we went all through this. Yeah. yeah. Secret yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but we just had like such an amazing setup where like we were just, I just like felt so comfortable and sleeping and I cannot to be like, I just like cannot sleep here. There's so many stimulating factors mm-hmm. in life. There's so many things to do and see and be around. And it's really funny to have that be like the issue mm. in life right now to just be so feel like busy feeling or like the having so many points of, of interest to like be wanting to interact with and just like how real the quietness of being outside is and like being in, in space with yourself, like really is, it's really quiet. Long-term backcountry trips make prioritizing a lot easier than everyday life. You know, like the things that you need are really clear. (laughs) They're clear in like in your everyday life that you've come back to. No, no, no. No. They're clear on like a long term. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So real. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great statement for sure. Really good. Uh, Yeah. Spot on. It's everything in your world is right there. Right. Mm -hmm. And you see it every day. You have what you need and you also know what you need for the next days. And even if you're not sure what you're going to be getting into weather wise, like rain jacket, got it. Got my food at least for these like upcoming things. Got it here when you can pick any outfit out to go into the evening time or wear anything for the day. You have an overwhelming choice and every day you wake up, you can try on multiple things and you overwhelm yourself. We overstimulate ourselves. Right. Yeah. Huh. I like the way you put that because that's very much how I felt. And that's probably what I've always loved about my world, being in the mountains, being in the woods and being away is because I'm present and anything that I brought has to work and make do with what I've got ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of dovetails into this, uh, this question, this final question I got for you guys is like specifically this trip, but I mean, you can broaden it as much as you'd like advice for people doing this endeavor, you know, and not necessarily this north to south PCT style endeavor that you just did, but like, what would you leave people when you're going to do stuff like this? Because it seems like even with how many months before you ordered the bike, like before you got it, how many months before? Oh, we were in talks in November and it came in May. Right. Crazy, right? You would think that you gave yourself enough time. Like, is that one of those pieces of advice? Like, what would you leave people with? when you were to say, Hey, if you're ever thinking about this, take this into consideration. For some reason, water comes to my head immediately, but I just like want to hold off before responding with water. Yeah. We just had like a couple water filter things come up and just like the importance and value and beauty of water is really fun. We just had like, I think we had a really cool water setup that I just like like to tote around and express because it was just cool to have like a like a tank at the base of our bike frame that held mm. the majority of our water every day. And then we had like a little hose that came from the tank up to our handlebars and so oh, yeah. we could we could drink from there. We reverse camelback style. Yeah. We reverse camelback, yeah. yeah. Ooh. We fun. ordered uh, a <laughs> 
<laughs> crank tanks from Adventure Hydration right. out of yeah, yeah. Australia. Mm. Mm. And they're sick. They were like, yeah, they were, game we were emailing with game them all summer. For me, that was game changer having done a bike tour before and like carrying all my water either on my back or just having to go stop and refill all the time because I had small like carrier systems. Mm. I don't know. This one was just like a whole new beast. It was like I would I would travel like this again and again probably because it yeah. was just so, so key. Um, but that's not like the only thing I want to touch on with like advice going forward or if people are interested in this, like what to look into. There's like so much. Like, yeah, what would what would question. my like what would myself w- have wanted years ago before I had jumped into this world? You know. Okay, I got three. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> she, she's getting to her <laughs> thought. She's like, got three. Yeah, you can think, you can think. Thanks, Pip. I appreciate you. Um, Kyrie touching on warm showers earlier. That's just like such a sick thing to have in your pocket if mm. you need it and it's something to look forward to right because it's like you're in an area and you're like oh i don't have any hosts but in a week i'm going to be here and i can set that up and like those people are going to be so stoked that i'm there and they're going to take such good care of me right so it's like mm-hmm. that that's just phenomenal mm. and then like another thing is just like practicing being really open to experience right because so so much of our trip was just meeting people and receiving because people were so excited and so being open to that and like being able to like go up to people and chat to start Mm -hmm. those conversations um definitely really important and then the thing that i would have done differently is that like Kyrie and I didn't really plan anything. We just took everything day by day, which was phenomenal, and I would do that again. Um, But the research that we did, like, kind of before the next town, I feel like my mindset was always about a place to stay, which was really useful because that's efficient because you need – if you're in town, it's harder to poach. Mm. It's easier to stealth camp if you're alone. It was really difficult to stealth camp with two people mm. sleeping together because our sleep system was joined. Next time, I would put more energy into bike shops mm. because so much of like our world and our connections did revolve around the shops that we went to and we received totally. so much support outside of just bike maintenance from shops that mm-hmm. like a lot of my happy town memories were just getting really lucky and happening upon really incredible bike mechanics. Yeah, that's wow. real. So I think I would base my mm-hmm. future tours around bike shops that I really wanted to go to. It's mm. a really, really keen insight right there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's real. That was like something I, I think I remember on my last trip too, that I was like, I rushed through some bike shop stuff where I would like I would not always stop when I had the opportunity and I remember being like kind of like later on I was like oh man I wish I like what's the rush I had no reason to be blowing past these and like what connections could have been made there but yeah the shops that we did get to stop at on this trip were they were very there's a lot of takeaways and there was a lot of um there was a lot of fun that was had in them, and 
some very, very lovely, like dire need fixings that were had to, that if we had just tried to do it ourselves, we wouldn't have received like the same experience, you know? Well, and I think like in our experience, I think all of those shops had a backyard for us to sleep in and had we needed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Hmm. Not trying to put all the bike mechanics (laughs) on the spot, but. Like have a backyard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You guys bring up a cool point though, like especially with what you said and then you agreeing and saying that like any you blew through a lot of bike shops in your solo journey is that Mm -hmm. sometimes the power of having more than just yourself on a trip right is that someone's going to give you a perspective that you don't see all the time someone's going to give you insight or allow you to maybe slow down something if you're the one that speeds up or speed up if you're the one that's a little bit slower in regards and it's Mm -hmm. that yin and yang it's that bouncing back and forth that i think is very integral into you know being able to see yourself in a different way than if you just only had your one biasy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like this common theme that I've heard throughout this conversation. I think it's really beautiful by the way. And just to hear that is an encapsulation of that bouncing back and forth, regardless mm-hmm. of the trying times or the thriving times, there's this aspect that you guys got to see with one another. Right. I'm sure, obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> spending four months together on that trip. Right. Yeah. So most definitely yeah yeah really no question in that just an observation you know i love you even more <laughs> whoa <laughs> yes and <laughs> so it's beautiful and so you know i just want to thank you guys for coming here and chatting with me we've been talking about this before you left we talked about it as soon as you got back and like honestly truly thank you because you two are two of my favorite people in this community and in life in general from just the connections that we've had and just to get you in here was bigger than just the journey you went on with the bike ride it's just knowing you two and wanting to have this like not to fulfill a podcast need not to fulfill any sort of thing other than just like getting to sit down with friends and use a medium that I do really enjoy and talk about the things that hopefully you enjoy too. So that's what this is all about. And I told you in at dinner, like it's, it, it's a time capsule mm-hmm. to hopefully listen back to and be like, wow, remember that time of life? And even though you got your journals, even though you've got memories, here's one more form of it. So mm-hmm. yeah. And oh. Kayla and Kyrie, thank you so much for entertaining and mm-hmm. having a, toilet conversations and many more things <laughs> that involved with this whole thing so um, yeah much love thank you thank That's you cute. you all right guys thank you so much we're done already no way <laughs> you want to keep going i, I almost hit stop i i have how long do you think we've been talking for probably a while um two hours it's uh, yeah that's what <laughs> happens like i don't know it, i have to like get like a little um tickle in there mm. and then things start to come out you know it's kind of like what i was talking to my brother about because he him and i have wanted to do a podcast for a while he lives in pa mm-hmm. um and he's got a family he just has kids a couple days ago like oh, you know yeah. just i was telling him i was just like man like you just realize that like you don't want to be the joe rogan experience because you don't want to talk for four hours three hours and put that out there because i think that's just like it's a lot Mm-hmm. He can do it because of just what he is, who he is, who he has on necessarily. For me, it's just like you want to expedite that, but you also realize it takes time in order to get into these conversations. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, sure. it can't happen within 10 minutes, even though we kind of started getting in pretty deep right off the bat. It's, mm. it takes time and to get this and you're like, can I allot three hours all the time? It's like mm, pretty yeah. tough. I mean, as soon as the big company starts sponsoring me, which I mean, at any moment now, I can feel it. I'm just waiting for that email to ding, you know, mm-hmm. Nabisco, Chips Ahoy, Woo-hoo. you know, all these big companies. What did we eat? Oh, Oreos? dude, you're going to get Oreos. I'm going to get Oreos? Yeah, Oreos going to sponsor you because Ooh. we developed... Nabisco, no? But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're Nabisco, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah. you'll get Nabisco. Yeah. Because we developed Oreos. Which is where you crumble uh, Oreos on top of your oatmeal on the trail. Stop it. Next it level. It Next stop level. It. You crumble Oreos and put that on top of your oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Oreos. Oreos. That is ingenious. <laughs> that was probably. And was when the you greatest. mix it, does like the the fine powder or whatever? Does it mix and become like a chocolatey looking thing? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, like cookies I like and cream cal- galore. It I was like good. mine kind of chunky, but. Yeah, yeah, same difference. But yeah, it was pretty rad. Kind of want to have like a little dinner party. Maybe this is what we do for a dinner and a movie. The dinner yeah. party is based on what you would eat in the mountains or in these travels. Yeah. Right? So maybe there's someone that's just got like that. brings their, as much as I don't want this necessarily, but you bring your favorite dehydrated meal and you're just like, <laughs> and you're serving it up to people in dishes, like fancy plates of like mountain Mashed houses. potatoes. <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> I'm so about that. That would be my love. We get Oreos so in there, you yeah, know, Oreos. like. <laughs> oh god i've always wanted to do something like that That's too funny. and stuff just have like a fancy plate meal where it's like you have this really nice plate and like we have nice wines but then you're sitting like a steamy bag of just like <laughs> down on the plate oh my gosh oh. that's iconic yeah yeah no i it's it's cool i i love hearing about these tales and it, it's it's funny because I want to distill these conversations so much down mm-hmm. because, again, can't do the three-hour, four-hour thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's because of having the long interactions, like when you guys have four, three, three or four months together, whatever the number was, you get to really understand something through that amount of time that needs to be taken to understand something. Mm-hmm. When I'm on these month-long expeditions, either in the Himalayas, Africa, wherever it is I've been, I get to know these people and it's through those conversations you get to like open up someone's world and go whoa Mm -hmm. this is what excites me is getting to take that time to understand you Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and in such a busy world that we live in we don't have that or we don't allow ourselves to have that much time with everyone all the time you know and it does take this conversation that we're having now that's been built over I don't know how long have we known each other a year and a half and it takes that amount of time to build trust to then have these conversations and be open and be friends about it, you know, because I want that to be with everyone I have. But sometimes it's just not going to be the case when I just met someone two weeks ago and go, hey, you want to be on the podcast? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to drag us out, but I feel like one of the jokes that I've been making about the bike trip is that... You know, it's like in life, there's like two types of people when you're trying to make friends, right? Like there's the people that are really walled off and you're like, no, I'm like old and like I'm not going to put my energy into that because it's going to be superficial and I don't want to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like the oversharing trauma bonders and you're like, no, 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 I've learned my lesson there. (laughs) I'm also not going to do that. Yeah. But then like once in like a 
beautiful while you meet someone that I feel like I view our friendship as where it's like oh like this person is like really present and they're really showing up and they're vulnerable but it's healthy Mm. um and we get to like how lucky are we to get to build like a friendship on this right yeah and what was so interesting about the bike trip is it felt like almost all of our interactions were that with strangers Mm. and so like I don't know if that's just like a situational thing where when you're that alone and exposed, it's a skill that you have to develop or like what, but that was really cool to live in a world for three months where all of my experiences were genuine human connection. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's very poignant because I think that you use that great term of trauma bonding, right? And some people do go on these trips to heal, right? Some people do go on these trips to just enjoy, challenge themselves. But regardless of what it is, you, we all stepped into the arena together. And that arena is intentional. And when you're there with the intentions, with along with everyone else who has intentions, regardless of the spectrum, you do become bonded. You know, and that there's something really cool about that. And with that, you can meet someone who may resist you in a little bit of ways, but there's still a thread that brings you together and you kind of feel connected. Even if it's not going to be as deep as maybe the next person like Alinda, you're going to find someone who is much more on the opposite end of the spectrum, but you're still able to relate Mm -hmm. and that you can break through that versus when we're in our world of everyday life, societal life, you, you, you run into so many mixed bag of people who don't have that same intention as you do for the day or same intention in life. And so it's hard to sometimes connect as easily with people. Yeah. I do a mic drop situation, but they're all like kind of tethered to the table. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know if you felt like any of that stuff, you know what I mean? Because I think that that's something that, again, like when you and I connected in the car and had that journey together, you know, way back was a little different because we were helping someone be distracted and feel at ease because of their injury. But the way there, we got to go and talk deep about that stuff. And it's like being in the middle of something together, whether it's snowboarding, skiing, adventuring, biking, backpacking, it's like you connect in a way that you you just sometimes take for granted in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thoughts, life. I have so many thoughts. What's up? I, I just, I feel like I have so many thoughts, but no words right now for yeah. them. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy we got to this point. I mean, guys, yeah. two hours and going on thirty minutes. You're gonna have a lot of editing oh, to do, bro. Oh yeah, so much editing. No, my, my no. apologies for earlier. I just, um, sometimes I don't know what it is. I kind of do know what it is. I don't, I don't have the easiest time talking about my childhood. It's yeah. like or where I'm from. Like yeah. I have so much gratitude for it and it's it's a special place but i don't lately it's hard for me to visit anymore because it's kind of um it's it's just like sad so it it brings up a lot whenever i like think about it and it didn't used to be that way it's just like come in the last like year or two and it's like realizing where i'm from and like family dynamics and my personal dynamic is hard for me to like see in myself yeah so my apologies for earlier but it but i send love so thank you i see you growing yeah you're a gift 
<laughs> Thanks, Pip. You're a gift as well. That awareness, right? I think you're putting a lot more awareness into that past, and I think that that's mm-hmm. what like has made me honestly like in a similar boat. In all honesty, like mm-hmm. Kyrie, it's like I've looked at some things over the last couple of years that I didn't even pay attention to through almost all my twenties, and then all of a sudden I'm like, why am I having a hard time with this now? Like, why is this arisen? It's like, oh, because you were ready to face that. You were ready to turn around and face that mm-hmm. that thing. And this guy, uh, a buddy of mine named Mark uh, Healy, he's a um, spear fisherman, surfer guy. Uh, he, <laughs> surfer guy. Um, he talked about how when he, as soon as he gave in to f- turning around and facing the demon that was when he got would get sucked under the water, you know, and it was this hold your breath for life, literally hold your breath for the life that you need to get back to the surface. As soon as he turned around and faced what it was that he was so scared about, which was taking those plunges, mm-hmm. and he accepted that he needed to look this thing in the eye, this proverbial thing, is when it, everything changed, is when he realized, okay, I've looked at this thing in the eye, I'm going to challenge it, and I'm going to beat it. And I'm going to mm-hmm. not only beat it, I'm going to thrive in its midst. And I thought that was always a very powerful like analogy to turning around and facing that thing that maybe for all, throughout all my 20s I ignored or whatever the time span is that we ignore things. Mm -hmm. And when you do change your mindset and you do turn around and face whatever that demon is, whatever that challenge is that you've ignored, it's a very eye-opening experience for ourselves and it causes almost as much confusion as there was in the beginning of it all. But with that, starts to become clarity. And you start to kind of weave through that cloud and the cloud starts to dissipate a little bit. And it's just throughout time that... I don't know. We start to gain an understanding of where we came from and where we're at and what we value and all those things that I think encompass us as humans. Boom. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Sorry, I got hey. preachy on that one. No, it's good. Um, yeah. We're, I'm with you. Yeah. You're allowed to talk on your podcast, too. I know, but... <laughs> trying to be a good listener, not so much a, I... a chatter. I hear you. You're fun to listen to, though. That's what's fun about three, though. I'm not going to lie. I do kind of like three. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. He likes three. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the three. Um, No, thank you guys so much. I I, want to wrap this up and get you on your way. And uh, yeah, I I really can't thank you guys enough. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be in this threesome with you guys okay <laughs> i'm just gonna keep rolling with it because <laughs> uh, you said before gift. this podcast like you used it up already i'm like uh-uh no. i'm gonna hit it a few more times the horse is it's dead, dead. <laughs> the horse is dead <laughs> no i take it back two birds one scone right hey love that two birds, <laughs> two birds one scone <laughs> all right i'm the scone <laughs> You're the scum? <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> all right, I'd like to thank my guests today for being on the show. I'd also like to thank all of you for your continued support as we move forward into this journey. And to remind everyone, including myself, that doing anything for the love of it will ultimately bring more worth than if otherwise. I'm thankful for these moments spent, and I hope you can find a moment to be thankful for the things you value in your life and pass that on. I'll see you on the other side.